This episode of the I Am Northbound podcast is brought to you by the 4D songwriter, How to Dominate the New Music Industry. Get your copy of this number one best-selling book at the4dsongwriter.com. All right, so you're a music artist with plans to take over the world, huh? Yeah, duh. That's why I'm here. Well, you've come to the right place. Let's go! Welcome to the I Am Northbound podcast. Podcast. Your guide to dominating the new music industry. What is up, y'all? How you doing? Welcome to a very special episode of I Am Northbound. I think we're looking at episode number 25 now, right? Anyway, you'll notice that things are a little bit different here. If you're watching this on video, I'm not there. It's going to be a little waveform moving on your screen. Watch. Is it moving it? That's pretty cool. I mean, I guess just me talking moves it too, so I don't know why I'm doing that. And if you just listen to this, you're like, he has lost it. I have not lost it. I can tell you that now. I'm actually not here at the moment. I've recorded this podcast in advance because I, right now, I think when this comes out, yeah, I will be up the coast of Australia in another state called Queensland for a yearly holiday. I go up there, take a bit of time off. I mean, I say that, I say, I say take a bit of time off, but I'll still be working on ideas up there and doing other things. I like to use holidays to like reset, but also I find I come up with my best ideas on holidays. Anyway, that's just me chatting about my life. Is, is that the same for you? Do you find that if you take time away, they end up coming up with your best stuff? I think it's because you get away from the routine of doing things the same way over and over again. And then you move to, uh, you know, you go, you go to another, at other surroundings. I guess it inspires you. But anyway, so I'm probably going to be doing that. I wonder what ideas I'm coming up with right now as you're listening to this. Anyway, so I'm up there. I'm relaxed and I'm having a good time. So in advance, I've prepared this week's and next week's episode um, because just the way that the days fell, I'm only away for a week, but uh, by the time but the, the, when I'm traveling back, it takes two days to drive the coast of Australia the way we're doing it with a one-year-old um, who will be one when, when we're up there, by the way. It's, we're going to be celebrating her birthday up there, um, which is around now. Happy birthday to her. Anyway, <laughs> so for the next two weeks, uh, just as I said, if I'm coming back, I don't have time to get home and then film it, then edit it, then upload it or whatever. So I'm just going to do the next two weeks are going to be little special episodes as we look back on some previous segments of I Am Northbound. And uh, yeah, if you're like a massive fan of the show or something like that, you've probably heard all of this. You're going to hear nothing new over the next couple of weeks. Uh, actually, you will. little surprise. There's something coming in a couple of days with the I Am Northbound Extra that is new for you, and I'm sure that you'll like that and it'll be brand new. But if, you, uh, if you've heard it before, this will just be a refresher as we go over some, uh, some, some of the videos from earlier um, you know, this year as they came out that I feel like, um, maybe some people haven't heard, but if you, you know, if you're new, you probably haven't heard this before. And, you know, so some of this stuff will be fun either way. So this week's episode is all about memories. Let's look back on this year and some of the segments that came out that I think uh, had, had some cool things to say. Now, my initial intention of this was to find like little clips out of shows like Live with Jason John Evans that are over an hour long that, you know, you probably haven't had time to listen through to all of that stuff. So you haven't had time to do that. So I thought that what I'll do is, uh, what, I'll, what I'll do is is like get little clips. But in that show, because there's no time limits, I some answers for the good questions take 20 minutes. And I don't have, uh, that's too long for me to fit inside a three segment show and to get it on Instagram TV or whatever. So I've, uh, I've found shorter videos. So they're going to be quick little snippets. That'll be either a brush up for you or brand new information. But either way, I hope you absolutely love it. Can't wait to get back. Uh, even though I'm on holidays right now, I know that I'll be 
itching to get back and get back into it and provide you guys with better content than ever. So enjoy this special episode of I Am Northbound. Hope you're doing fantastic. Stay stay, stay, stay safe in your world even. Uh, Have a great time and uh, with what you're doing and I will catch you next week. One of the reasons that 99% of music artists fail is because they try to promote their music to everyone. The truth is your piece of the pie is very niched and if you can aim directly at it, you'll see far bigger results from far less effort. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about why you shouldn't be aiming for the masses. Now, if you know me, you know that I love my metaphors and sometimes my metaphors can get a little strange. And this might be one of those times. Now, a lot of the time we'll refer to finding new fans as capturing them. But for this metaphor, I want you to imagine that you literally are capturing them with a net. Now, I want to state this as my official disclaimer. In no way do I recommend that you go about capturing fans by trapping them in a net and forcing them to listen to your music. I don't I don't need to do my usual testing on that to know that that's a terrible idea. But for the sake of this metaphor, it works. So I want you to imagine that as a music artist, you had to throw a net to capture a whole bunch of people at once. Now, this net represents your music and your branding. Now, of the people that are caught within your net, those that are interested by what you do and like what your music sounds like, stay around to hear more, while those that aren't interested simply leave and any additional nets you throw at them in the future become less effective. Now, I could really dive into this metaphor and talk about the quality of the net that you're using to capture people with, which is the content that you're putting out into the world. It's not just your music. But let's just assume that you're putting the exact same level of great quality content consistently out into the world. I'm talking about content that is the best representation of you musically and uh, content that you know people stand the best chance of resonating with. So you'd probably think that if this was reality, if you had to pick up nets and throw them over groups of people to get them to like your music, you just spend your days throwing nets at groups of people, right? Because if you catch a whole bunch of people, you stand the best chance of gaining new fans, right? Wrong. And that's why most music artists fail. It's all about quality of listener over quantity. Aiming your music at everyone will never bring the results that you aim for. The truth is you only have the time, energy, and money to throw a few nets per day. That's why you have to make sure they're aimed at the right crowd. And that's just like real life. We only have a certain amount of time, energy, and money to put into the promotion of our music. So many music artists are currently right now choosing to throw their nets at the largest crowd, thinking that it will give them the best chance of finding new fans. The truth is that your niche is probably so small that throwing a net at the general population will mean that you'll walk away with capturing next to no one. Now, the hard part is to break this mentality. It's very hard to convince yourself to throw one of your limited supply of nets at just one highly targeted person, especially when the big crowd seems way more tempting. But you can end up wasting 10 nets by throwing them at the wrong crowd and gaining no new fans. And the same thing goes for your music. If you're trying to promote everything you're doing by aiming it at the biggest possible crowd, you're probably just forcing your music upon people that aren't likely to convert to fans. And remember, it's not just about getting them to listen to your music. Your job's not done there. You have to provide them with the fuel that's going to help move them on their own journey toward becoming a true fan of your music. You have to give them that point of interest. Trust me, you want your fans to walk the path toward becoming a true fan of your music by themselves. You do not under any circumstances ever want to feel like you're behind them, pushing them to force them to take their next step. 
But you know what? You might throw your net out at the biggest crowd and you might find a few people that are interested. Sure, that's not impossible. But chances are they're not highly compatible with your music, which means whatever interest they're showing now is likely to burn out and they're likely to drop off. That means that all of the time and effort that you put into nurturing them and capturing them is wasted. This is why you must ensure that any time you spend now pays off for you in the long run. Fan acquisition does not have to be a difficult process. You just need to know where to find your specific listeners. Now, in a future episode, I'm going to continue this topic and tell you where you can find your most highly compatible listeners. So keep an eye out for that. But until then, I want to encourage you to be conscious about how you're spending your time and your energy in regards to your promotion. Is the time and effort that you're putting in now going to prove valuable for you in the long run? Are you tempted by the biggest crowd or are you prepared to shift your perspective to understand the power behind targeting your message to exactly those who want to hear it. Everyone's competing in the, you know, the the digital sphere, which is totally understandable. I mean, the potential that the internet has is nearly limitless. And I really, as much as everyone's fighting for it, I don't think that the average music artist really truly understands how much potential the internet holds. I mean, no one really does. We're all kind of just figuring it out. I mean, I could dive into a million reasons as to why that is, but uh, I think we all know that the internet has an unlimited potential when it comes to promotion of your music. But that doesn't mean that you should be neglecting offline strategies. I see so many people and I work with so many music artists that are exclusively living through their mobile phones, trying to get people, you know, on different social platforms, new followers, new fans to listen to their music or to check them out. But they fail to see that, Offline strategies, you know, ones that occur outside of their digital devices and outside of the internet, they can be just as powerful, if not more powerful in building a real loyal and committed fan base. The biggest thing that I see music artists uh, kind of dismissing or not even considering the true potential of is word of mouth. Now, I want to ask you this question. How much do you think of word of mouth occurs online? When I ask people that question, sometimes I get answers of like 70 to 80 to 90%. Uh, I, if you were like me, I guessed around 50%. Yeah, we're all wrong, right? The, the amount of word of mouth that occurs online is 7%. That's it, just 7%. 93% of word of mouth occurs offline in real life with people. Now, that sounds wrong when you first hear it, right? Like the, you think, well, those studies must have had something wrong with them to get that number. But it makes sense once you start thinking about it. True, yeah, we're on our mobile phones and we're on the internet. We're more connected than we have ever been before. But we also spend a lot of time off our phones and off the internet in real day-to-day conversations. At least most, a lot of us do, right? Most of us do. Some people do stay inside on their mobile phones all the time. But even if you are one of those people, how much of the conversations and content you share with people how much of that is actually you partaking in word of mouth? Are you talking about services you like, software recommendations, et cetera, et cetera? Chances are not a whole lot. You normally small talk online, but because of the fact that you're never actually in a face-to-face conversation with them, you aren't forced to come up with more uh, conversational material, right? Or conversation material, however you'd say that. So you don't have to, right? If, if, you've, if you run out of things to say, you just don't write back for a while. It's not as important or immediate as a real face-to-face conversation is. But in a real face-to-face conversation, you need to find something to relate to the other person with and about, and you need to be able to keep a conversation flowing, which means you need things to talk about in the moment. It's not really good social etiquette to just walk away if you run out of things to talk about, which is what you can kind of do online. 
So that's why there's like that cliche of, you know, small talk with a stranger. You might just talk about the weather because, you know, you both live under the same sky. At least you can relate to it on that point. And if you know them a little better or maybe if you just get a, you know, an inkling, they might like sports. That's why a lot of people talk about sporting teams, like, you know, just trying to find a common point of interest. Now, as you move more toward the people you actually know in your life, like your friends and family and, you know, your close acquaintances, you will find that when you talk to them, you will naturally be talking more so about what you've been up to, what, you know, what you've bought, what you've consumed, uh, the f- restaurants you've visited, you know, the food you've eaten, et cetera. All right. So that's the, that's the time where word of mouth becomes super powerful because in these conversations that we're forced to have, we naturally talk about the things we like and the things we've been involved with. Right. And that has so much power, right? Because they know you and they've built a, you know, a trust or a, you know, through a friendship or a relationship with you. Therefore your recommendations are going to be heard and likely taken on. So it's not like trying to promote yourself online where you're asking people, listen to my latest song and no one really has a reason to care. If you have a way that you can make people talk about your music, they're going to naturally tell other people who are going to listen to their advice and then pursue that information further and will likely convert into following you and becoming a fan of your music in the long run. So all you have to do is answer the question, how do I get people talking about my music? Now, if your answer has anything to do with the music itself, you're not thinking outside of the box enough. You're kind of too constrained within the whole creative, your own creative sphere. You need to be thinking outside of that. How do I get more people talking about me? How do I get, uh, how, what, what is something different about my music or my live shows that will make people want to talk about it? The great thing about word of mouth is that uh, think of yourself. Uh, you wouldn't start talking to someone else about something that you know wouldn't interest them, right? So think of it on the other end of the, of the scale. You're only going to be talking about things and people in general are only going to be talking about things that they know has the best chance or that they know the person they're talking to has the best chance of uh, connecting with or being interested in. Which means that if your band or your music gets brought up, chances are it's getting brought up to someone who is likely going to find that interesting. So that's why word of mouth is highly targeted and is super, super important. And also just another statistic for you, word of mouth is responsible for 20 to 50% of purchase decisions. That's pretty crazy when you think about it, right? Because that shows you how powerful word of mouth really is in making other people excited or keen to follow, um, you know, a certain brand or product or company on their journey, or in your case, a music artist. So back in the day when I ran a record label, I managed a whole bunch of bands. And there was one band in particular that I was working with that were a metal band. And uh, they didn't like doing anything unless their favorite band had done it first. They didn't want to bring out t-shirts that looked a certain way until their favorite band had done it. They looked to their influences. And if it hadn't been done yet, they just didn't do it, which is a really hard mindset I had to break through with them. Uh, But one day I remember when they're looking at getting merchandise printed up and I said to them, why not get stress balls printed up? like those, you know, the squishy stress balls, like with their logo on it, like they, they're a heavy metal band. Like, can you imagine like a hundred of them being thrown around in the pit while they're playing? And at first they were like, that's a bit weird, but my, our favorite band haven't done that yet. So that's kind of strange. I don't know how I feel about it. And then the more I talk to them about that's their point of separation, their point of difference, it won them over and they sold out instantly, right? Because it's, it's a different thing. And they developed so many more fans as a result of that, because everyone that was at that show 
told their friends, like, you wouldn't believe it. The show I went to the other night, we like picked up these stress balls for like a dollar and just started throwing them around while the music was on. It was crazy. And there's another band that I worked with that uh, were putting a show on. And the question was, how do we get people to go to their show versus, you know, another band's show? Like, what you know, pe- live shows, even though the bands are different. And if you're in the, in the band itself, you might know a million reasons as to why your show is going to be better because it's your music and not someone else's. But if a person's going out to listen to music, what really separates your music from, you know, another show that's on that night or next week, if they don't want to go out on your particular night, what's going to make them want to leave the house and that they have to be at your event. It does feel like as music artists that we try to like get behind people and push them all the time. Like, come on, please come to my show as you're like pushing them toward it. But the better situation you want to be at is at the end saying, come toward me. You want to be leading, not pushing. Uh, and the way you can do that is by finding your point of separation. And this band found theirs by instead of just putting on another show, just like everyone else's, they put on an outdoor show and they've got two food trucks that sit alongside uh, the stage that are giving out free food to the people who have bought tickets. Like that's a really interesting point of difference. And you bet there's going to be word of mouth about that. Like after that show, right? Cause people are going to talk about it saying, Oh, you've got to go to their shows. Like why just go see another band that sounds similar when you could go see this band and we got food on the food trucks and they're really cool guys and like, you know, all that stuff, right? So you've got to find your point of separation. As I said, I'm not here to give you the answer because that's up to you, but you need to be asking yourself, how can I find a way that my music stands out from the crowd and gets people talking about it? You need that interesting point of separation, whether it be something like interesting merch that you bring out or a new approach to your live show or a new format, you need to find a point of separation because if people start talking about you, that's when big things will happen for you. Hashtagging is amazing, but just like everything online, there's a trick to it. And unfortunately, most music artists are doing hashtags incorrectly. And if you're using hashtags incorrectly, you may as well be not using them at all. We're after free exposure for your music, right? So let's make sure that we're using hashtags correctly. They may seem simple on the surface, but they're actually far from it. Hashtags can either be your best friend or just completely useless. Completely useless. I'm sure that you see people use hashtags like this every single day. But believe it or not, the hashtags that they choose actually prevent exposure. But to be honest, it's pretty clear that they're not really using them to find exposure anyway. If you're like me, you probably have several people that pop in your mind that are serial offenders of this crime against hashtaggery. You know, the ones that the ones that uh, will post a picture of them laying on the beach with just absolutely irrelevant hashtags like hashtag where are my shoes? Hashtag I don't know. Hashtag margarita to please and hashtag Sandy fun time. Now you might think that these people missed the memo on how hashtags actually work, but to be honest, I don't think they really care. People like this seem to love to use hashtags as like an additional comment or a witty joke or something like that. They, they don't really try to use them for additional exposure. Hashtags are traditionally used to tag and group similar themed content so that users are able to filter and browse by topic to uh, find you know things that they're interested in. But who would ever be browsing hashtag directories on Instagram trying to find photos filed under I should be at work and not on a beach. And if there was anyone out there who was frequently browsing hashtag Sandy fun time, I wouldn't want to know them. That's for sure. But I do feel bad for the music artists who put a genuine effort into hashtagging correctly, but uh, just don't see the results that they aim for due to a lack of an understanding of how hashtags actually work. You can spot them immediately. These are the people who are using up all 30 hashtags to tag every single keyword that is even vaguely associated with what's in their post. I'm talking about tagging hashtags such as hashtag guitar, guitarist, guitar player, acoustic guitar, acoustic, recording, singer, on a post of them singing and playing guitar. 
Unfortunately, all of these hashtags are over-competitive and therefore useless, and no one is browsing them just trying to find the latest and greatest post. These tags are also incredibly broad, which means that they become overly common. And that adds into the competitiveness too. If you've got millions of people using these hashtags on their posts, it becomes pretty crowded. There's simply too much content in these overcrowded directories. So even if someone was browsing one of these highly competitive overcrowded hashtags, your post is not going to be seen because it'll be lost amongst the sea of noise that occur within them. Your goal when choosing your hashtags is not to pick the most common ones. It's to find the most highly relevant, low competition niche tags that people actually browse on a daily basis. That way you stand the best chance of additional exposure and engagement on your post. Hashtags exist purely to show people more content. So if you play to their rules and understand how they work, this can happen for you in your post too. Here's a tip. Never use a hashtag that describes in a literal sense what is in your post. I usually say that if you can think of a hashtag, it's not worth posting on. Why? Well, because if you can think of a hashtag, others can too, which means that it will quickly become competitive. Your mission is to find relevant niche hashtags that are low competition, that active, engaging users are frequently browsing on. And you can do this by using a free service called Display Purposes. You simply enter a hashtag that is relevant to your post and it will generate you a list of low competition, highly relevant tags that you can use in your caption. But I'll give you a tip. This is a bit of an insider secret. Don't just copy paste the list that Display Purposes gives you. We can do better than that. I want you to take each hashtag that Display Purposes gives you and cross-reference it on Instagram. If you find that a hashtag has less than 30,000 posts or more than 700,000 posts, delete it. It's either unknown or it's too competitive. That space between 30,000 and 700,000 is your sweet spot. These are the tags that people are actively searching on, but not so much so that your post becomes instantly drowned by the competition. But if you'd rather not have to do this cross-referencing process, I highly recommend you look at a service called Tailwind. Tailwind is an auto scheduler that is absolutely amazing and has the best hashtag research tool that I've ever seen. And just so it's clear, they're not sponsoring this episode and I have no affiliations with them whatsoever. I've just used them in the past and I think they're great. But regardless of how you get your hashtags, never commit to using a list long term. Be sure to update them every now and then because hashtags change in popularity over time. The more people that find out about these hashtags, the more competitive they become, so the less you'll want to post on them. And also never copy paste the same list to every single photo because that can dramatically affect your reach. When hashtags become too competitive and the quality of posts drops, all of the active users within it usually start up a new one that they'll move to. And by staying on top of frequently updating your hashtag list, you'll be the first to know about them when they do. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the I Am Northbound podcast. I hope you loved it. Why not check out another episode? I'm sure you can find one right below wherever you found this one. But before you do, make sure you subscribe if you haven't already. Come subscribe to the YouTube channel if you want to watch these episodes as videos. And it would mean the world to me if you could share this out to your followers. That way you can help me help more artists change the world. Yeah,